This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. I am so privileged today to introduce to you the co-founder of the Orlando Magic basketball team, Pat Williams. He was our special guest recently on our Leadership Awakening and Connection Zoom call from July 7th. I wanted to share this incredible message that he shared with us for this podcast. To quote one of the leaders who joined on that call, they said, His points on leadership excellence, exclamation mark. Let's just say, I felt as if I were sitting at the feet of a master craftsman. Although we had to edit down the full Leadership Connection and Leadership Awakening Zoom call into this podcast, you will see that as he shared on the seven things great leaders have in common, you too, I believe, will appreciate what he shared with us. He shared vision, communication, people skills, character, competence, boldness, serving heart mentality. Everything he shared so resonated with us. I'm particularly humbled as he was one of the endorsers of my book, Leadership Awakening. And he said, Leadership Awakening is a wonderful new contribution to the field of leadership success. He said, I gained great insights from reading the book, You Will Too, Pat Williams, co-founder and senior vice president of the NBA Orlando Magic. Now, that's very humbling for me, seeing that Pat is also a basketball Hall of Famer, co-founder of the NBA's Orlando Magic, and former general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers. He's also considered one of America's top motivational and inspirational corporate speakers. Pat has addressed employees from many of the Fortune 500 companies. He's also authored over 100 books. His most recent book is titled Character Carved in Stone. There's so much more I could say about Pat Williams, but you can read more about him at patwilliams.com. Let's go right into this message that he shared with us on our national leadership Zoom call. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, a good morning to you, uh, wherever you may be located. Uh, I just want to point out uh, that everything in life rises and falls on leadership. That's always been the case. It will always be the case in uh, in leadership positions in professional sports for, well, over 50 years now. And I've studied it in depth, uh, fascinated by leadership. Uh, numbers of years ago, when we moved here to Orlando, uh, the um, convention world was really exploding here. And I did receive opportunities to speak on many occasions. And the number one topic always was leadership. So it forced me to really make a serious study of leadership. So I began to read and study in depth the greatest leaders in world history, uh, obviously Jesus and Churchill and Eisenhower and Ronald Reagan and Ulysses S. Grant and Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr. And the list went on and on and on, including uh, the great sports leaders from Vince Lombardi to uh, Coach Bear Bryant, and it just really dove into it full bore. I was determined uh, to find out if there are common traits of leadership, and I wanted to dive into the life of those great leaders to see if there were consistent patterns uh, that these men and women possessed. And in the process, I discovered, yes, 
There certainly were consistent patterns. In fact, I found that there were seven uh, key principles of leadership. Uh, no matter if you were leading in biblical times, like Jesus or Moses or the Apostle Paul, or leading during um, the American Revolutionary period or the Civil War period or Civil Rights period, uh, leading today in any field, yes, there are seven ingredients that I found. Uh, I'd like to share them with you. Uh, I must point out that all seven uh, are necessary. They must be there. If one of the seven is missing, we'll be incomplete as a leader. And the other thing I want to point out is that uh, uh, you can take these seven principles that I'm going to share with you and put them to use immediately, like today. Uh, you can apply them in your leadership world, whether it's at home or in the business world or the political world or the church world. You can apply them immediately. So uh, let's get started. The first principle uh, to be a world-class leader is simply called vision. Uh, in my study of leadership, I've come away convinced that uh, the greatest leaders of all time were visionaries. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it means that uh, they all see further down the road than the rest of us. They see the future before it gets here. Uh, they see in vivid technicolor, uh, not grainy black and white. They understand that uh, a vision is cast and then it includes other people. It motivates other people. Uh, maybe another way of putting it is that uh, great leaders have goals. They know where they're headed. Uh, they know in what direction they're going. And it's tough to follow anybody as a leader if, that, if you don't think that leader knows what he or she is doing or where they're heading. Uh, Ronald Reagan put it this way, he said, to grasp and hold a vision is the very essence of successful leadership. Uh, Mr. Reagan said that when he was in the White House, but he also said it applied to his life in the entertainment and the movie business as well. So when you study the great leaders of history, they were all driven and, and motivated and directed by a vision. George Washington's vision, for example, was a, a new nation independent of Great Britain's rule. And that's what kept him going uh, during those eight tough years of the Revolutionary War, a uh, period we just celebrated last weekend. And by the way, a war that we had no business winning. We were out supplied. We were out weaponed. We were out peopled. I mean, out everything. But uh, George Washington's vision is what really produced the victory in that war. Uh, we know Abraham Lincoln's vision. It was a situation in those five years in the 1860s, and, and Lincoln had the vision of one nation, not two, and that's what kept him going. We know Dr. King's vision, a nation where we would not be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character, and there was no greater leader with a vision than Jesus himself. And I think the best way to really get a handle on that is just to read those opening verses of the 14th chapter of the book of John, in which Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions, are many dwelling places. Uh, Jesus could, could absolutely picture it. He could see it. Uh, and then he said, I go to prepare a place for you, he said to his disciples, and if I go to prepare a place, I shall receive you. That means I will bring you to where I am and we'll be together in this forever home. Well, the disciples had a tough time fathoming that. 
as many people still do today. But in Jesus' mind, he saw it absolutely clearly. Uh, he could picture it and he could describe it. And to this day, it's what gives us hope uh, because Jesus was a visionary leader. Now, it's one thing to have a vision as a leader, but there's a second principle here uh, to be a leader of excellence, and it's called communication. Uh, we can have the greatest vision in the world, but if we can't communicate it effectively, well, what's going to happen to that vision? I'll tell you what's going to happen to it. Nothing. Nada. Nick. I mean, nothing's going to happen to that vision if we cannot communicate it effectively. So let's talk for a few minutes about uh, communicating a vision. First of all, you've got to believe in your organizations. It's important to talk to each other. Sam Walton put it this way. He said, communicate as much as you can with your associates. He said, the more you communicate, the more they understand. The more they understand, he said, the more they care. And once they care, he said, there is no stopping them. The second thing I can tell you about communication is uh, what I like to call the, the C's, collection of the letter C's. Uh, be clear, be concise, be correct, be consistent. Those four C's will uh, clear up a lot of issues with communication, uh, not just in the husband-wife relationship, but the parent-children relationship and the, the, the owner and the employee relationship and the general and the private and the coach and the athletes and the pastor and the people. Be clear, be concise. Be correct, be consistent. And here's another key point about communication. Eventually, every leader is gonna to have to communicate publicly in front of other people, which denotes one word, fear, terror. Uh, you know the, the great quote that uh, in all the polls that the Gallup people do, the number one fear is never death or snakes or spiders. Uh, it's speaking in front of a group of people. but to be a great leader, you've got to overcome that because leadership generally gravitates uh, to the man or woman who can talk. That's generally who we elect to office. That's generally who gets the CEO post or the uh, principal's post, the ability to communicate verbally. So I say to leaders constantly, uh, take this matter seriously. Uh, join uh, Toastmasters. Uh, join the National Speakers Association. Uh, take that uh, wonderful Dale Carnegie speaking course. If we could get into Warren Buffett's office today in Omaha, I'll tell you what we would not see. A lot of awards, a lot of diplomas, a lot of honorary doctorates hanging on his walls. But we would, we would see one diploma framed uh, from the Dale Carnegie speaking course that uh, Mr. Buffett took years ago he said it cost him $100, said the best $100 he ever spent because it completely revolutionized his, his life as a leader. So if it was good enough for Warren Buffett's 100 bucks, give it a shot. Oh, and speaking of the great communicators, you know what was uh, amazing about them, what I've discovered? They were all outstanding storytellers. Uh, Jesus communicated by parables. Uh, the New Testament Gospels are filled with his parables, teaching points. You had Abraham Lincoln and his quips, and you had John F. Kennedy and his tales. Uh, uh, Ronald Reagan, the great communicator, uh, he used a whole series of different things like that, anecdotes and 
quips and jokes and one-line humor, uh, all designed to keep people's attention. Oh, and speaking of Jesus as a communicator, I'm hoping that somewhere out in the Middle East, perhaps way back in a cave, uh, there's a cassette tape of Jesus uh, communicating as he did in the opening verses and chapters of Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Jesus' first great, great uh, public discussion. Oh, would that be awesome if we could get a cassette tape of that? Well, probably not going to happen. But uh, to capture Jesus' voice, uh, spend some time here today or tonight, uh, starting in Matthew chapter 5, and just picture as Jesus is speaking continuously. It's a fairly long discussion. Just picture that you can hear his voice. This young man, 30 years old, maybe 31, uh, just speaking so depth and so surely and so brilliantly in a, in a delivery that uh, really changed the entire world. All right. Uh, what we've covered so far is uh, leadership starts with vision and then comes communicating that vision. There's a third leadership principle that I want to share with you. Uh, it's simply called people skills. Great leaders have people skills. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. They, they, um, they're interested in other people. They care about other people. Great leaders have a heart for people. They have empathy for people. They, um, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is they, they, they love people. That's what great leaders do. So what are a few people skills that uh, great leaders possess? Well, here, here's a very important one. It's called being visible and available to your people. Great leaders do not get locked up in an ivory tower and disappear from people. During the eight years of the Revolutionary War, George Washington never left the troops. He was with them 24-7, around the clock for eight years. And Mr. Lincoln, well, by the uh, Civil War period, we had photography. And we learned that Mr. Lincoln was not uh, locked up in the White House. Uh, he was out uh, visiting his generals and visiting his uh, soldiers and uh, no telling how many hospital units he, he went to, uh, checking on soldiers from both sides of the battle, uh, visible and available. And where was Dr. King during the civil rights marches of the 60s? Well, I'll tell you where he wasn't, uh, back in the little red brick church house in Atlanta uh, or, or locked up in his church in Montgomery, Alabama. No, he was out leading many of those marches, facing the uh, fire hoses and the billy clubs. He spent 42 nights in prison, visible and available. Was Jesus visible and available as a leader? Oh, you bet he was. He only had a ministry for three years. Uh, that's um, a thousand days, roughly. And every day, I, I imagine his handlers uh, had to have every day organized. I mean, his Franklin planner must have been packed. His day timer had no holes in it. Um, but Jesus was, uh, you know, uh, hoofing by foot. And uh, everywhere he went, he had a schedule, but inevitably it got messed up. Uh, he would run into a woman at a well. Or a man in a pool, you know, having a tough time getting attention. Or a little tax collector would track him down and up in a tree. He was looking down at him. And then uh, they end up going to the tax collector's house. And we learned it wasn't just a half hour visit. Uh, they were there for um, several days. 
And then the schedule got bungled up again. But you see, Jesus was interested in people. He was fascinated with people. He was intrigued with people. And he loved people. And that's why he was always visible and available to them. And that leads to another important uh, people skill. It's called listening. Listening leaders. They're, they're kind of rare. We have a lot of talking leaders. But when a listening leader comes along, that man or woman will never be forgotten. Never. I mean, the highest compliment you can pay anybody is to listen to them with undivided attention. And, and one step further is to ask questions of people and listen to their answers. Jesus was so good at that. Uh, when he was around people, he would draw them out. Uh, he would draw them out with questions and he would listen. And then he would um, have more questions for them. Uh, it's a wonderful model for us. Well, uh, one of the, our original owner of the magic here a few years back was named Rich DeVos, the co-founder of the Amway organization. And uh, we were with Rich here for about 30 years until his death a while back. And uh, Rich had a wonderful way of dealing with people. He would simply say, tell me about you. <laughs> he would just say that. And, and he meant it. And, and uh, he would draw people out. Tell me about you. And then he might say, T tell me more. And he was listening and he was genuinely interested as you were telling the billionaire uh, about your life. You know, you're probably the pauper talking to the billionaire who is interested in you and simply says, tell me about you. Uh, people skills. Oh, they're so important. Vision. Communicating your vision. People skills. Here's the fourth component I can tell you about uh, uh, great leaders. It's simply called character counts in leadership. Character still counts in leadership. Years ago, the great army general, Norman Schwarzkopf, Stormin Norman, he made this statement. He said, uh, leadership consists of two vital components. He said, strategy and character. And then he said, if you have to do without one, he said, do without the strategy. Uh, he firmly believed that character was the very essence of great leadership. Uh, I believe that we can only go as high on the leadership ladder as our character will allow us. So what are the key ingredients of, of character leaders? What do they have? Well, I'll tell you what they have. It, it's not very complicated, very basic. Number one, they're honest. They tell the truth in every circumstance. You don't need a battery of lawyers when you're with them. Because when they speak, you can take their word right to the bank. Secondly, they have integrity. Integrity uh, can get a little twisted, but it shouldn't. It, it's uh, it, it, it's an, it, an easy word once you break it down. Uh, integrity comes from the root word integer, which means one. And uh, it, it simply means that there's only one of you. There's a consistency to your life. Uh, your life your walk and your talk, they match in every situation. Uh, Ken Whitten, a longtime pastor in Tampa, one of his parishioners for years was Coach Tony Dungy. Ken Whitten once said to me, here's the deal with Tony Dungy. Uh, the tongue in his mouth is always pointing in the same direction as the tongue in his shoes. That's a pretty good uh, look, I think, at integrity. There's a third character quality. It's called responsibility. Character leaders take responsibility. They are not finger pointers. Uh, they are not, um, well, they're, they're not making decisions. 
And if the decision doesn't work out, they develop a case of instant amnesia. Uh, they have no memory whatsoever. <laughs> but great leaders say, this was done well and I did it. This was done poorly and I did it. But in either case, uh, I'm responsible. And there's a fourth character quality I want to talk to you about for a minute. It's called humility, a humble spirit. Uh, when I'm around, and I've been very, very fortunate, uh, when I'm around uh, well-established people or well-known people, as I've been blessed in my life in sports and beyond, I am always deeply impacted when I come across a man or a woman, a leader who has a humble spirit, who has a sweet, humble spirit. They're not filled up with themselves. Uh, they're not pompous. They're not arrogant. And you can come across some leaders who have just an arrogance about them. Uh, Catherine Graham, uh, the longtime publisher of the Washington Post, uh, was the ultimate hostess in, in Washington. And whenever anybody from around the world in government or any field came to Washington, they would inevitably end up at Catherine Graham's table or at her home. And one time a writer was sitting with her and said, Mrs. Graham, you have been around the world's greatest leaders. They all come to your home for many, many years. You, you've seen them all. You've heard them all. You've interfaced with all of them. Is there a characteristic that uh, is common to all of them? And Catherine Graham said, yes, there is. She said, it's an absence of arrogance. That was her take on these leaders who had impressed her so much. An absence of arrogance, a humble spirit. And uh, has there ever been a more humble leader than Jesus himself? Mm. I still uh, shake my head in wonder. Uh, when you consider this was God himself, who helped create the world from the very beginning, who had a marvelous home in heaven. And God the Father basically said to God the Son, I need you to go down on earth among our people and uh, set up a, a tent there for 30-some years. Uh, you're going to come into the world as a baby, and you're going to grow up. You're going to be uh, seven years old at one point, and then you're going to be a teenager, and, and you're going to continue on at 30, at age 30, you're going to have a public ministry. Uh, do you realize uh, how absolutely arrogant Jesus could be? Uh, what, when, you, when you think about it, that uh, this God-man create, helped create the world and uh, knew every person down on this earth, and, and all of a sudden, uh, he, he acts with a humble, sweet, humble spirit? Uh, that, to me, still just... Well, I, all I can do is shake my head um, because we see people uh, who think they created the world <laughs> and, and just have a puffed up chest and a, an attitude that they are all powerful. But here was all power uh, acting in a, in a humble manner. Well, let's uh, touch base again. Vision leads to communication, leads to people skills, leads to character in leadership. And now uh, we've arrived at a fifth uh, component of great leadership. It's simply called competence. Competence. And uh, what does that mean? Well, it means that leaders are good at what they do. They're excellent at what they do. And that begs the question, how did they get good? How did they become excellent? Were they born that way or were they created or, or were they uh, developed? Were they born as great leaders or were they developed as great leaders? I get asked that question a lot. Are leaders born or are they made? 
And my answer is always the same, both. Every leader that I have ever been aware of at some point was born. Every single one of them at some point in history, they were born. <laughs> and by the same token, they were developed. So here's what I think is what happens. A leader is born and somewhere in the process, somewhere in this period, oh, I don't know, it may be in youth, it may be as a teenager in college, after college, somewhere along the line, something happens that forces this man or woman to make a decision about being a leader. It may be a crisis that develops. It may, may be a need in the community. It may be something with the uh, need of the school board. It might be uh, some need that the church has. It might be some need that the Little League baseball program has. And a group comes to this man and woman and says, we would like you to take over uh, the leadership of this particular endeavor. Uh, we would like you to, to do this. And then comes this response. Oh, uh, I, 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 I couldn't do that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy. Or, uh, boy, I'm, I'm just not good at that. Now, I'll help, but uh, get, get somebody else to do it. No, we think you're the one. We, 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 uh, the committee has said, we want you to do it. Uh, and just like Moses in the Old Testament, oh, well, come all the alibis. I'm, I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm, 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 not, uh, I'm not verbal. Uh, I, I just, well, we want you to do it. And finally, finally, this person breaks down and says, okay, all right, very well, I will, I will do it. And then they go to bed that night and they think, what in the world have I gotten into? What have I gotten into? And I better, I better get serious about this. So they begin to meet with other people and they begin to share ideas. And the next thing you know, this person uh, wanting not to fail, none of us want to do that. They get really into it and they give it their very best shot. And eventually uh, the uh, event takes place or the season takes place or this takes, and, and it comes off, it worked. And this man or woman at that point says, wow, I can't believe that I did that. I'd like to do that again. That was the coolest moment of my life. I, w I was actually a leader. And, uh, and they never go back. They, they have become infected with the, with the leadership needle. I mean, they get infected. And then they decide, oh, I better get working on this, I can improve, uh, you know, that thing we did this year, next year, they want me to do it again, and I can really be much better. So, so let me explain to you what I think are the competencies of, of great leaders. Number one, it's called the competency of solving problems. General Colin Powell put it this way, he said, leadership is solving problems. And when soldiers stop bringing you their problems, you're through as a leader. Anybody can lead in the good times, but when the problems hit, great leaders anticipate them and they get prepared. It's just like when a hurricane warning comes and you get prepared for it. Great leaders anticipate problems and they know how to deal with them and they don't panic and they don't run and they don't avoid it. They know how to work and solve problems. Anybody can lead when things are going well. Uh, the second thing, uh, competency I've noticed, uh, great leaders, have the ability to evaluate talent. They're very good at spotting talent and they know how to take that talent and pull it together. 
into a cohesive team. That's what the great sports leaders do. Uh, no matter what the sport, whether it was Vince Lombardi or John Wooden or Greg Popovich today or in any any area, uh, these these men and women know how to recognize talent and pull it together into a team. Now think about what Jesus did. He spotted talent in 12 men. Uh, they were not uh, educated men, but he saw these men and he pulled them together into a, a cohesive team. He did that in three years, uh, getting these men ready to take his message out around the world because Jesus knew he was going to be gone from this earth. He did send a great helper, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and these 12 men absolutely changed the world, didn't they? Uh, they? They revolutionized the world because Jesus had spotted them, taught them, inspired them, motivated them, got them pumped up. And out they went to change the world. We still feel that impact today. The ability to spot talent and pull it together on a team. And then one other competency I want to talk to you about is, is called this. Great leaders, I've learned, are generally very, very good teachers. Uh, Vince Lombardi said they call it coaching, but it's really teaching. Uh, Lombardi also said you've got to teach before you can coach. And, and I've learned that these leaders love to teach. In many cases, they were high school math teachers or high school biology teachers. Most many, many, many coaches had a background as, as high school teachers. They love to teach. And the best leaders today uh, are the best teachers. Now, here's an interesting little principle. You can't be a lifelong teacher and, and leaders are in it for a lifetime. They're teaching for a lifetime. It's not short term. But you can't be a lifelong teacher unless you are a lifelong learner. And how do you become a lifelong learner? John F. Kennedy put it this way. He said, learning and leadership are indispensable to each other. So let me share a couple of thoughts about being a lifelong learner. Uh, number one, continue your formal education. That's one way to do it. And take your formal education seriously, I tell young people. You, you, can, you can increase your grade point, a full grade point, by just taking it seriously. And, and so continue your formal education. You may say, you know, I never finished college. Well, well you can do it. You can finish. Uh, you don't have to leave your home. Everything's done on big screens anyway. So just continue your formal education. You can go get your master's degree that way. You can go get a doctorate through Walden University and others. You can go get your PhD. So, so continue your formal education. To be a lifelong learner, secondly, hang with the smartest people you can find. You can call them mentors. You can call them life coaches. You can call them sages. I don't care what you call them, but you need them in your life. You don't need 20 of them, but you can certainly use three or four of them. Uh, a mentor in the spiritual area, a mentor in the business area, a mentor perhaps in the family area. But uh, you need mentors in your life. And you never outgrow your need for them. Uh, I just turned 80 years old. I have three or four mentors in my life. Uh, I seek counsel from them regularly. And, and I don't do anything until I've checked with my mentors. And thirdly, to be a lifelong learner, be a lifelong reader. Harry Truman put it this way. He said, not all readers will be leaders, but all leaders must be readers. Thomas Jefferson once made the statement. He said, I cannot live without books. And one thing I've noticed about almost every great leader that we admire 
they were big time readers, almost every one of them. They, they could not exist without books. And, and, and generally they were real books. I'm not against books on tape or other forms, but boy, there's something about holding a book in your hands. So I'm gonna challenge every one of you uh, starting today to read one hour every day, the rest of your life from a book, not the same book, but from books. And you say, well, what should I read? And I say, what are you interested in? That's what you should be reading. Uh, you can do this hour, well, one 60-minute session or two 30s or 32s or four 15s or 15 fours or 61-minute sessions. But if you'll read an hour a day at the end of one week, you will have finished a book. Keep that up for a year, that's 52 books. Keep it up for 10 years, that's 520 books you'll have read. And if you read the right five books on any one subject, you'll be considered a world-leading authority on that topic. That's a big deal, folks, particularly if you can get young people thinking about that. I mean, if they started as, as a teenager, by the time they finish college and have read 520 books and become a world-leading authority on over 100 different topics by the time they're 22 years old, think that'll make a difference in their life, their careers, every aspect of their life? Of course it will. So now, folks, we have established that leadership starts with vision. And moves to communicating your vision, moves to people skills, moves to character counts, moves to competence. And there's a sixth piece here to be a leader of excellence. It's simply called boldness. Not baldness, sir, but boldness. And that means leaders make decisions. Yes, they study the facts and they consult other people and they investigate. But when it's time to make the decision, they make the decision. And they don't look back and, and they move forward. You can still hear George W. in the White House. I'm the decider. I decide what to do. I decide what's right. And then, of course, people would tear into him. But uh, he was correct. You see, without a decider in an organization, nothing happens. That organization just stagnates. It just stays in one place. It doesn't move forward. And that's why it's important to have bold leaders who are not afraid of making key decisions, big decisions. Jesus, by the way, and the more I read and study his life, oh, was he a bold leader? I mean, he would would just, he, he, he could not tolerate a phoniness and, and windbags. He just couldn't tolerate it. And he would go head to head with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I mean, he would get after them. He would go right in their face. And then, of course, uh, on those two occasions that he goes into the temple and he sees that the temple grounds are being desecrated by money changers, and he goes in and flips over the money tables. Uh, can't you just see those coins rolling all over the ground, all over the place? And, and he's, he's kicking over cages and the pigeons are flying away. And uh, you can see donkeys and sheep running all over the place. It, it had to be an absolute madhouse. Because Jesus didn't like what he saw there. And he boldly, I mean, just upset it all. And I oftentimes I'm saying, Jesus, why don't you back off here a little bit? Yes, just back off. Just you don't you don't want it to go too far here. But uh, he was fearless. Uh, it, it takes courage to be a bold leader. Uh, you can't be afraid. Uh, you've got to take some risks. And Jesus certainly was a bold leader. Now, I do want to point out that. Uh, 
there are many six-sided leaders out there. We've talked about these six ingredients so far. And those leaders, those six-sided leaders are good. They're very capable. Uh, certainly uh, deserve our support. But to be a leader for the ages, a leader who will never be forgotten, a leader who will go down in the history books, the seventh quality must be there. And the seventh quality is simply called a serving heart mentality. We hear a lot about servant leadership, uh, but I like the verb form better. It means, uh, well, it, it means you, have, you take action. It's not passive to being a, a serving-hearted leader. Uh, here's the mindset of a serving-hearted leader. Um, it's not about me. It's always about you. It's not about uh, advancing my career goals. It's about advancing yours. It's not about my success. It's about your success and the success of this organization I'm leading. It's not about improving my resume. It's about uh, increasing your resume. That's how serving-hearted leaders think. And when you think about serving-hearted leaders, uh, there's an impressive list out there. Obviously, it would start with Jesus, the ultimate serving-hearted leader. And then you take a look at Wilberforce, and you take a look at Gandhi, and you take a look at Mother Teresa, and you take a look at Princess Diana, and you take a look at Abraham Lincoln and Dr. King and Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman. Uh, you take a look at Sojourner Truth, and you take a look at Billy Graham, and you take a look at Coach Wooden, and you take a look at uh, Chuck Colson, and by the way, thousands of other people. We don't know their names, but they're out there around the world and have been around the world for, for many years. Um, leading with a serving heart mentality. Let me just summarize our little visit here today. Seven things one must do to be a leader, right and true. Have vision that is strong and clear. Communicate so they can hear. Have people skills based in love and character that's far above. The competence to solve and teach and boldness that has fearless reach. A serving heart that stands close by to help assist, and edify. Lead on, my friends. Lead on, and may God go with you. What an absolutely powerful message today from Pat Williams. We want to thank him so much for being a part of today's award in season, and we want to thank you for listening in. If you want to be a part of Zoom calls like the one Doug hosted with Pat, we want to encourage you to do so. You can sign up for email updates at somebodycares.org and receive information on future Leadership Connection events. While on our website, somebodycares.org, why not check out our e-store? You can pick up a copy of Doug's Leadership Awakening book, as well as the Leadership Awakening series available on DVD or as a digital download. If you need prayer today, please reach out. You can email your prayer request at prayer at somebodycares.org. Again, that's prayer at somebodycares.org or call our Somebody Cares America prayer line 855-459-2273. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805 805- 422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.